that was my family. That was what I woke up to every day for 27 years. My battle buddies, and, a, and I had a mission. I knew what I was supposed to do. It was very well defined. I was good at it. I had honed in on my skills. And that's when I, you know, when I say I went from hero to zero, like I had no skills that I thought were applicable to life after the, the military. It's easy to talk about our triumphs, but what doesn't get talked about enough is the struggle. My name is Eric Weinmeier. I'm an adventurer. I've climbed Mount Everest and the Seven Summits, the tallest peak in every continent, and I happen to be blind. This is the No Barriers Podcast. On today's show, you'll meet Command Sergeant Major Gretchen Evans, who served for 27 years in the U.S. Army, earning a bronze star. During her service, Gretchen survived a rocket blast, which left her with hearing loss and a traumatic brain injury. While struggling with depression after her injury, she relied on a new rope team to bring her back into the world and show her she still had the ability to find purpose by serving and leading again. Despite her injuries, Gretchen serves others as a passionate volunteer. She achieved her No Barriers goal by finishing her book, Leading from the Front. This is our No Barriers podcast. This is Eric Weinmeier. I'm talking from Golden, my home, and we have my fellow host, Jeff Evans. How you doing today, Jeff? Good, Eric. Uh, it it's, uh, seems to be a, uh, another shorts and t-shirts day here in the middle of winter in Colorado, and everything's going, going is not planned for our winter, but, but it's still uh, a beautiful day in Colorado. Yeah, dumped uh, 12 inches yesterday I heard up in the mountains so maybe things are looking up but yeah we, we're not getting much of a winter but I didn't get much of a winter the last few days because I was out visiting um, one of our No Barriers graduates Matt Burgess who runs this awesome organization Freedom Fido's training service dogs for vets and uh, I was checking out his facility and then I went down to Miami to meet one of our No Barriers sponsors uh, Tom Sullivan who uh, founded Cabinets to Go and they have 50 something stores and they're going to uh, have a scholarship for people, vets, youth, really anyone in our community to take part in one of our events, one of our programs, one person from each of those cabinet to go communities. So that's 50 something scholarships of uh, people that are going to get to participate. So it was a really good day connecting with uh, Tom and cabinets. What have you been up to, Jeff? This kind of half winter that we've got here has been sort of challenging from the outdoor perspective. It's like just when you think the ice is good enough to get on it, we have a fifty a fifty degree day or sixty degree day. So um, it's made for some uh, some challenging conditions. But um, things are going good for our upcoming trip to Nepal, uh, which um, we're going to climb a mountain called Mera Peak, which is a twenty one thousand foot peak, a little bit off the the main, uh, you know, trekking trails up to base camp. And um, fortunately, um, as it plays out, we have, I think we have six former No Barriers participants joining us for this trip. So um, a lot of the No Barriers messages will be, you know, sort of percolating throughout the trip and, and the climb that we do. And a lot of the messaging and content that we, that we share and talk about will be uh, centered around that idea of, of sort of em embracing this journey and being together and, and um, really, you know, soaking up the idea of fellowship. So 
Um, I'm really excited about that. And then I know you and I will not see each other in Nepal, at least this spring, but you're heading back there uh, in June um, with our, with our guests for the day. So why don't you give us a little bit of a, uh, 30,000 foot view of that? Oh, it's so, it's going to be so fun. I can't wait. Yeah. I don't get into the field as much as I'd like with our group. So we're going to be leading a youth group to Nepal. Uh, and we have kids signed up of all abilities, not just kids with physical disabilities, but kids with invisible disabilities, kids perhaps who have been bullied and want to use a trip like this as a platform for social change to bring an experience like this home and create a, a their own no barriers pledge to elevate their community in some way. So we're going to be heading to Mustang, which is a remote area of Nepal. It's up on the Tibetan plateau. And we're going to be uh, exchanging with a bunch of uh, villages and schools and a school for the deaf, some disability organizations, and really trying to understand culturally how issues happen, how people break through barriers in Nepal. It's going to be an amazing trip we're recruiting right now and great transition because, yeah, our next guest is going to be one of the leaders on this trip. And I am so thrilled to be speaking with you today. Gretchen, uh, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to hear some of your story. Yeah. And Gretchen, you you served for 27 years serving our country. I mean, that's a long time. Tell us why you chose to do that. Um, initially, honestly, it was just out of survival. Um, I lost both my parents when I was a teenager. And so I was attempting to become uh, financially self-supportive, and it was just became really difficult. So the military offered, you know, a job and training and income and all that kind of stuff. So I went down and enlisted in the Army with the thought that I would stay in for four years and take advantage of their educational benefits, get out, and then finish college. But what I really found was just an intense love for what the military did, what it represented, and the people that I served with. So four years turned into be 27. Wow. And, and um, you were telling me, Gretchen, you met your husband. And I find it interesting that he's a Navy guy and you're an Army gal. Can you tell us how that played out? My husband, Robert, was a Navy chaplain uh, in 06. And he was sent to Afghanistan to be in charge of all the chaplains in Afghanistan. And at the time, I was the senior command sergeant major in Afghanistan of all the installations. And so everything good and bad came across both our desk um, because of the nature of, of both of our jobs. And so we really had this intense friendship and respect for each other. It came with the good news. It also came with the bad news when we had casualties and had to notify families and things. Robert left after a seven-month tour and went home. And I guess about a month later, I get this really lengthy letter full of nonsense until the last paragraph. And then he said, could you ever be romantically interested in me? Oh my God. You know? So I wrote back and said, did you forget where you left me? I'm in Afghanistan. I can't be romantic about anything, but um, I said, you must have a plan. So indulge me. And the plan was we'd write letters like they did back in World War II and try to get to know each other that way. And ultimately when then I got injured and of course life changed but Robert had proposed two months prior to me getting injured, and I really thought that might be a war stopper. But 
He said he didn't care that I was blown up in death. So that's a great yeah, guy, don't you yeah, think? I love that. Yeah, the fact that you fell in love in the sandbox, you know, and then developed and cultivated this relationship, and and it was all prior to your injury, that says a lot about just you know about the character of both of you. And I can relate to your story because um, my wife, when we were dating, you know, I have I'm blind and I have prosthetic eyes, and so it was this big event for me to have the courage to take my eyes out in front of my wife. You know, I don't know if you can relate, but I mean, like, I was terrified because I was thinking, oh, I'm imperfect. You know, she's going to think I'm ugly. And I took a, took my eyes out and she said, I can live with that. So I love that when you find somebody who's who understands, hey, you're imperfect. I, you know, you've been hurt. You've been beat up a little bit, but uh, you're still lovable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So tell us a little bit, Gretchen, just about, um, you know, sort of the journey that that led you to that day. Give us a sense of, um, you know, how that day played out the near future as as you started to to sort of heal uh, both emotionally and physically. And as as people don't know that you were you had nine combat tours. Yeah, started in Grenada. Okay, so you know, I jumped into Grenada and then did Panama and Central America, Kosovo, Bosnia, Somalia, Iraq, and Afghanistan. So over a twenty-seven year period, I had like nine combat tours. So I felt like I was kind of a, like a cat. You know, it was probably I knew it was going to get me sooner was it or later. The ninth where, where um, the incident took place. So what happened that day was um, I was flying around in my uh, in my helicopter to visit troops on a, at a Ford operating base, when a very remote place that was pretty exposed. And I was just there visiting troops. We were out walking around, and I'm just asking troops questions. And all of a sudden, we start taking rocket fire, coming in like rain. I mean, it was just like pounding us. So I was yelling to the troops to get in the bunkers, get in the bunkers. You know, we have these concrete bunkers um, scattered throughout the installation. And before I could even get myself into a bunker, a rocket hit about 10 feet from where I was standing and then threw me into one of the concrete bunkers, which then resulted in my brain injury. But it blew out my eardrums and took some shrapnel in places that weren't protected by my flight vest. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up, lying down in the back of a helicopter, and I'm thinking to myself, well, this is not the way I normally mm-hmm. ride in a helicopter. Then I was medevac to Lawnstool. So when I got to Lawnstool, they put me in, in a like a semi-coma just to try to do an evaluation to see what all, maybe if I had some internal injuries and just to plug up all the little holes from pieces of shrapnel, because those things are just like wicked nasty. You know, they, they get in and you got to, they fester and things. So when I came out of the coma, there was a very young army doctor standing next to me with one of those little white dry erase boards mm-hmm. and he had a marker and he wrote on the board and then showed it to me and it says, you're deaf. And I took the board from him and I wiped it off with my hands and I said, and I wrote on there forever. And he goes, yes. So um, of all my injuries, that was probably the hardest one to overcome because, you know, you just you wake up deaf, okay? You're a hearing person. I was 46 years old, been a hearing person my whole life, and all of a sudden um, I'm deaf. And then on top of that, the head injury and all the other things. 
But honestly, the thing that really kicked me in the gut wasn't even my physical injuries. What really kicked me in the gut and made me pause and made me afraid was that, you know, I kind of went from hero to zero in one second. I didn't have a transition plan. I never had not even crossed my mind about retirement, even though I had 27 years and we were still at war and I wanted to be with my troops. And so I was just so devastated and probably really angry that I didn't get to go out on my terms, that my career was, you know, snatched from me at the hands of the enemy. And I think that that, that injury, that devastation was the hardest one for me to overcome. What's that like? I mean, because no barriers is a lot about understanding these processes that that we go through. What is that like going being a hero at one minute and then a zero in the next? I mean, what 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 is what's going in your brain? Like all the uncertainty, all the confusion, all the all the sort of psychological fear, you know? What what is that experience like? The experience for me was just I just didn't have a, a path any longer, you know, so I, it was kind of like, what now? And, and and then toppled with these injuries. I just thought, nobody's going to want me. I'm not ever going to work again. I, I want, how am I going to communicate with people? I just did, you know, I was lost. I mean, as lost as, as lost can be. And so I kind of hit this really low point and where, um, as hard as I tried, and I'm a pretty determined person, I'm a, you know, I'm a marathoner and I jump out of airplanes and I repel and I do all these, these things. And all of a sudden, you know, I was, I was this the hearing and the brain injury were almost prohibitive from doing all the things I knew how to do. And then I had these like non-marketable skills, like, you know, taking over small countries <laughs> that doesn't really you know, resonate well in the civilian life. Okay. And, you know, so I didn't know what I was going to do. So, I mean, honestly, I was like in a black hole for a very long time. I've heard you say as well, because remember, I heard you speak in, in uh, Asheville and you talked about losing your family and your fellowship and your mission. I mean, what do you like when you say your family, you're talking about your military family, right? Your team, right? Yeah, my team, my soldiers. I've been with them my whole adult life. If you think about it, I went in right after I turned 19 and I was 46 years old. So my entire almost adult life had been spent in uniform with troops. And so, you know, I was not prepared for the civilian world. I'm still kind of a little bit of a crappy civilian, to be quite honest. Um, You know, I'm working at it, but I didn't that was my family. That was what I woke up to every day for 27 years. My battle buddies and, a, and I had a mission. I knew what I was supposed to do. It was very well defined. I was good at it. I had honed in on my skills. And that's when I, you know, when I say I went from hero to zero, like I had no skills that I thought were applicable to life after the, the military. Do you also think that, you know, like there are certain people that get into a routine, maybe they have a direction of serving, right? So you're very good at serving other people and then you get hurt or something happens and you don't know how to be served. You don't know how to be helped. It's like a totally weird uh, situation that people, a lot of people get in that situation where they don't know how to handle it, right? Yeah, Yeah. very true, especially as a Sergeant Major because, you know, we're there, our rank is very special. We're supposed to be the advocate for the troop. So if you're 
work for three or four star general, you know, you're, he come he or she comes to you and, and usually defers to you because, you know, you, they're your third or fourth general and you, you may be their first, you know, sergeant major or something. Anyway, they, you kind of have the pulse of the unit and your responsibility are to the troops and to make sure that they're taken care of. And so nobody, you know, I wasn't used to anybody really taking care of me. I was taking care of other people. So all of a sudden now, I, you know, I was kind of needy, which is gut-wrenching at first because you don't even know how to ask for help, nor do you want to. You don't have the words for it. And also it just feels so wrong. So it t- sounds to yeah. me like, Gretchen, that you went through all of these different phases of emotion um, following your injury that we always hear so much about, you know, all the way from from anger to frustration to sadness to depression. And then finally, at some point, um, you get to reconnect. Can you just kind of walk us through that path for you and how... Uh, how you've sort of morphed from that fateful day um, to where you are now, and then maybe give us a sense of, um, you know, your experience at, in the Gila wilderness and, you know, what part that played in your experience as far as healing. Yeah. So it was really a very strange thing. You know, I um, had kept in touch with some of my troops and, um, you know, we don't have to say a lot for people to know that, something's not right. You know, they can, it's like a sixth sense almost. And so one of my guys wrote to me and he says, you know, Sergeant Major, um, I think you might, I I realize you're in a bad place right now, but I just come back from a no barriers expedition. And you really should check this out because I know you like to be outside and I know you like to hike because you used to march (laughs) our butts off all the time. And so this is right up your alley, okay, carrying heavy crap and walking all over the place and not showering. He says, you'll be a, this is like, got your name all over it. And initially I, you know, I had tried everything else. Okay. I had tried therapy and I tried medication and, and each of those at the time were somewhat helpful, but they weren't the, you know, the silver bullet that I was looking for to get out of this hole. I wanted out of the hole. I was clinging to the very sides to keep from falling in. So just because he asked me and, you know, because of our relationship, I got online and I filled out an application. And then part of the process is that the physician that works with no barrier calls and talks to the warrior and talks about your disabilities. So he gets on the phone and he says, okay, so tell me what's wrong with you. And I said, you know, in my mind, I said, they're not going to take, I thought they're not going to take me anyways, but I'm going to be honest. And I said, okay, so I'm deaf as a doornail. I have a traumatic brain injury. I have PTSD. I have little shrapnel pieces still all over me. And I have a, a right side weakness that can cause me problematic, you know, a litany of things that I said that were wrong with me. And, and he paused for about like three seconds. And then he says to me, well, you're, you're exactly you're what we're looking yeah, for. You're perfect. you're perfect. That's right. You're, you're, <laughs> you're perfectly per- you're perfect, perfect just like the rest of us. And that's that's beautiful. Um, yeah. It was yeah. Beautiful. So, okay. So you got accepted to the program. And then, um, yeah, I'm just curious about what it was like to be with some colleagues. Because as you mentioned, sort of, you know, the, the biggest pain that you were experiencing was this loss of camaraderie and fellowship. So kind of take us through that a little bit. Yeah, at this point, 
really my physical injuries were, they were what they were. You know, I made accommodations to, you know, all the technology out there to help me with my hearing issue, the the brain injury, the same thing with that. So my real my real issue was that I was dis- disconnected from life and from other people. So I go on the expedition, a group of fantastic people. There was one other female and the rest were uh, male warriors. And from all eras, we had two guys from Vietnam. And then the rest of us were uh, mostly post 9-11 veterans. And it was in Colorado. And I don't know, the minute we all sat down for the very first meeting, I felt like I'm back home. Okay. I might not be wearing a uniform, but these are my guys. And then once we kind of told each other about ourselves and I told them that I was a Sergeant Major, they wouldn't even call me by my first name anymore. See, because that, you know, that to them, that kind of, and then the later they told me that made them feel so safe and so connected too, because um, they each had a story about a beloved Sergeant Major who'd made a difference in their life. So it, it just, you know what, it was like, I don't know, all the stars lined up. It was just like, perfect. And so we hiked and we talked and I felt like all of a sudden that hole started filling up with just good things. And the despair that I had been feeling and the hopelessness, little by little with each step as I was walking up, uh, those mountains started to dissipate. Really, it turned the corner for me, you know, and, and there was some healing afterwards and, I'm, and I still wake up every day and not everybody's perfect. But that one expedition was like the turning point in my life. This is Eric Gretchen. You talked about a hole and then you start to fill up that hole. Do you think that's what healing ultimately is? Like what, I mean, you, you know, there's a lot of people listening probably that are experiencing a loss or getting stuck somewhere and they want to heal. What, like, what does that look like? What did that process look like for you filling in that hole of loss? What it looked like for me was, you know, first you just got to, you really got to realize, you got to realize you got a hole. Okay. You know, so the first step in getting better is, you know, self-awareness. So I knew I had a hole and, but it it became really obvious to me how deep and wide it was when I got on the expedition, letting people into your life and realizing that helping other people, I would say probably other than the the guides, I was in the best shape on that hike. So um, even though I'm like, I'm very petite, you know, I'm five to 98 pounds on a good day, I could carry extra stuff for people and, and, and hike. And so that let me help other people, which is what I really was I felt like destined to do my whole life. I was just doing it in a different way. So that void of losing my troops was replaced by by engaging with other people who um, also were trying to fill a hole. So there's like this unity thing, like we're gonna help, we're gonna heal each other. Cool. And then where did that lead you after that trip? You graduate and then you make a no barriers pledge. Tell us about that amazing pledge that's uh, resulted in your book. Yeah. So I had to think about this, this pledge. There's lots of things I could have pledged, but I had been working on this book that really came out of putting down the stories of 27 years of serving with the most 
heroic men and women I've ever met in my life. And it's really about the truth. It's not about me. It's it's written from my perspective, but it's these wonderful stories about them. So my pledge was to finish the book. And it was probably, probably honestly, about 89% finished already. But for some reason, I just couldn't put that last period on the page because I didn't think that I was healthy enough to finish it. And I, and I, maybe I was afraid or maybe, I don't know, but I said to my guys that, and gals that were hiking with me, I said, I'm going to finish that book and you're going to read it someday. And, you know, hopefully it'll be meaningful for you. And I did, I just finished it uh, shortly ago and it's called leading from the front. And it's just lots of vignettes about these remarkable uh, things that happen in those 27 years. You know, Eric and I have both written books, and I think some people would say, I'm a writer. I enjoy the process because, in a way, it's a little bit therapeutic. Did you find that through the case, or was it a struggle, or did you just despise the process, or did you embrace it at some point? When I was writing it, I wasn't thinking Mm. I was writing a book. I was writing it to help heal myself because. I was writing about things that happened and I was putting it down on paper. And when you put it down on paper, you have to remember better. You know, sometimes your brain plays tricks on you. And, but when you write it down, I'm just, I had to like explain what it smelt like and what it, what it sounded like and why Sergeant so-and-so did this and all the little nitnoid pieces. I don't, I don't consider myself a writer. I consider myself a storyteller. Why'd you call it leading from the front? Because I've seen books like people talk about leading from behind and all leading from every direction. Why did you call it leading from the front? Is that an allusion to the front line or I what think is that? In lots of ways, I that that title resonated with me. One is I always tried to be someone that the my soldiers could respect and look up to, not physically, but you know, little, you know, but you know what I'm saying, but somebody to eliminate, eliminate and to lead with a firm, but a kind heart. And also um, I did lead from the front as often as I could. Um, I wasn't one to stay back at the headquarters. I wanted to be out there with them. And, you know, I wasn't an over, I wasn't a risk taker. I just felt like if I'm asking them to do that, then I ought to be there with them. And so it's that, that's where that title came from. The one takeaway from you is that you were born to lead. When that got taken from you, you have to find a different outlet for it. And I so applaud the idea of who you are and, and what you've become since your, your injury. But it, it's clear that you, you, know, you live for others you know, in a big way. And the fact that due to your injury, you were put in a situation where you couldn't do this thing that is just so much you. And I can imagine that really hurt. And, um, and it really sort of, um, you know, struck you right, you know, right, right in the gut. After you finished your, your first No Bears uh, experience, other than the pledge and the book, what else have you sort of taken on your journey since then? And then how have you applied it to your life in Asheville, you know, as a civilian and doing the things that you do uh, from day to day when you're not in the backcountry with, you know, with the Warriors team? I went on another expedition after that initial one to the Gila Wilderness. And part of the uh, No Barriers program is, is a phase three where we stay connected with Warriors after they finish their expedition and offer them, we call it coaching, offer them um, assistance and encouragement 
does somebody, you become part of a rope team for them to help them achieve their goals. And I find that incredibly satisfying. So I have my little group of warriors that I reach out to and just kind of plot them along. Sometimes they need a kick in the butt to say, come on, you can do this. And sometimes they need you just to listen. You let them work out the problem for themselves because usually within themselves, they have the answer. Sometimes, you you know, you just get blinded by the circumstances. So I spend a lot of my time working with my uh, No Barriers uh, alum. Also, I'm working with our development team so that we can raise more funds so we can send more warriors and youth on programs. And I, and I enjoy that because I love telling the story about No Barriers. It's not, to me, it's not hard to sell such a great program. And I can speak from experience that had I not taken the chance and filled out the form that day, you know, I, I feel like I could have very easily become another statistic, which would have been, you know, awful for, for everybody. I also help, you know, my husband in his job where he, you know, his hospital serves 10,000, you know, veterans uh, every week or so. And um, just advising him sometimes on on the way that soldiers think and what's important to them. You know, I'm kind of a, a good person for him to come home to and say, I had this situation, you know, what what would you suggest would be the best way to handle this and, and try to help him so he can make the VA a, a, an easy, safe place where veterans can get good, get good health care. A lot of this conversation, Gretchen, has been about leadership. So you served for 27 years in the military, and then this thing happens to you, this thing of great loss and it, you're still leading and it's it, in a way what's going through my mind is that there's an ironic thing here i mean has this helped you understand leadership or become a better leader than you might have oh, if you hadn't absolutely. gotten absolutely i have no regrets it made me a better leader absolutely i i had to really you know dig deep and i had to you know understand and try even harder to be empathetic and sympathetic, but yet be this strong person. And so that people, I used to always say to my people, you know, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so part of it is just letting people know that you care to begin with. And then to to be to walk with them I part of my pledge to the, on the last time my last one was to sit with the broken and I mean that in the sense that I want to be there when when people feel like they don't have any other hope and I can reach out because I've been in that hole you know I don't want to get back down in it with you but I'll certainly give you a hand because I know the way out and just to help people get out of that hole and fill it with things that are out there I think that that's really it's made me exponentially a better leader you are the sort of, you know, the prototype of a No Barriers Warriors, Gretchen. You know, you've gone through a transformational experience. Um, you've been knocked down and then you stood back up. And now what you're doing is completing that hero's journey, that whole Joseph Campbell hero's journey circle. Um, you chose to go into battle. You elected to voluntarily. You went into battle. You got your butt kicked. And now on the return of and the completion of that circle, you are now sharing your experiences to be able to improve the livelihoods of the people that you care the most about. And I think that that's, I know the word hero gets thrown around and you probably don't like it. It's just a little bit I know about you, but I mean, that's the true, you know, testament to what it means to be, you know, a, the archetype hero um, within the hero's journey. So really amazing. 
Yeah, I think it's all of us in the No Barriers community are are honored and fortunate to have you as a as a colleague. Man, it's going to be fun trekking across the Tibetan Plateau with you in June, Gretchen. So looking forward to that experience. And uh, well, thank you for both being for with us today. Kind words and for having me on your program and for all that you do. And I'm just going to keep. I'm going to keep plugging along and I'm going to until, you know, I get to the finish line and I'm going to exhaust it. And yes, Eric, it will be fun to be trekking across wherever we're going. I look forward to it. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Gretchen. All right, cool. Hey, Jeff. Well, that was an awesome interview. A lot of takeaways for I our continue viewers, I to just be blown away by how the definition of a no barriers participant continues to grow in my mind. You know, I mean, I've been with you since the beginning and, and watched this, this program evolve. And, and, you know, there's some, there's some stories that are just outstanding, but I mean, Gretchen's may be the most um, because she really exemplifies embodies what it means to, to, to be a, uh, to be a warrior and to be a hero. And give me your, uh, your, your uh, bullet points of, of what you take away mostly from that conversation with Gretchen. I just think it's such authentic lessons of leadership. You know, none of this stuff that you hear in Hollywood or fictional books. It's real. It's so real. It's, it's somebody who's bled their message. Uh, and and I love stories like that. That personally inspires me, you know, and I liked what she talked about in terms of, you know, when she got hurt, a hole, a hole being formed and you got to fill that up. And I love that analogy because, yeah, I think, uh, uh, even a psychological loss is like a hole and you got to fill that up. Well, what do you fill it up with? Right. You fill it up with purpose, with mission, with, with your team, right. With, with service, with love, mm. with empathy. I mean, that's powerful yeah, for me. Yeah. I, I just, I found it so profound that um, this woman literally was, was probably a child and knew she was going to be of service to other people. Like you can just tell it's just, in her genetic code, this was going to be her path, whether she, <laughs> whether she was going to embrace it or not. And then it's just who she is. I find that so fascinating. And then to have it pulled right out from under her, the ability and the, and the venue to be able to engage and inspire and lead from the front um, for, the, for, uh, for her soldiers. And I think she mentioned it, the idea that it, she could have just, she could have just sat and spun. You know, she could have just fallen right off the cliff, um, but she chose not to. You and I have heard it plenty of times in all the warriors that we've we've done trips with and have gone through the program. I feel like that is the universal core message is my leg is one thing. My PTSD is one thing. My hearing is one thing. But just like Gretchen said, the thing that hurts the most is I'm not with my people. You know, I lost that purpose and I need to rediscover it. And um, I'm so happy for her that she continues to to find that through this programming. Still building that map. I love it. Yeah. So thank you. Awesome interview. And um, if people want to learn more about No Barriers, uh, go to nobarriersusa.org. Just check us out and uh, we'll keep coming to you with amazing people like Gretchen. Right on Thanks, it. Jeff. No Barriers. 